Hey, everyone deals with that nagging voice in their head. It's that voice that tells you to worry, to be anxious, or that you can't do what God's called you to. This inner critic keeps us from the most abundant life that God has for us. But the question is, how should we deal with this nagging voice inside that can ruin our lives if left unchecked? Let's talk about it. You're listening to Above Approach Church Podcast, a podcast created for the local church. Our goal is to tackle tough church issues through thoughtful conversations like the one you're about to hear. Whether you're a church leader or a layperson, we pray this episode empowers you to play your role within the global, timeless family of God. This is Above Approach Church Podcast. It's clobbering time, Tanner. <laughs> Talking about the inner critic that wants to clobber us, but we're going to clobber it just like the thing. Wow. Can you describe what the inner critic is in a way that the, the listener could understand? Gracious, we're just jumping and right then into this. I want you to we? give me an example of the inner critic in your actual life and how that's played oh, out for you. Holy cow. We're like, I mean, we're, we're just going right into it because people are wondering miles what the heck is the inner critic. I, I just went, okay, I'm going to give, I'm going to give context to why I am. Acting Why the this way, time? Right? Yes. Yeah, let them know. I don't care. We we pray before our podcast. Oh, and holy. yeah, holy. we do. We're super holy. Uh and as I was praying, Jason decides he wanted to give quote unquote background music and I did. Cl- click the wrong button on his uh I wanted it to be a prayer <laughs> soundboard <laughs> and it played it's clobber and clobber time from the well, Andy Stanley episode. <laughs> well, I was like, Lord, let's oh, pray that Jesus. you would you would guide us today that you would be uh, in the in between it's the clobbering time. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's wrong button. I was trying to give him some soaking music. <laughs> Dang it! Uh, you gotta so love the describe what worship. the inner critic is for the listener. How would you describe it at least? I'm sure we yeah. we'll come to an agreement. Yeah, in in my mind, it, it's I mean, it, it's your own self battling against your yourself. <laughs> It's your self's perception of yourself? Yeah. I would say, but I would say it's your the, self's it's evaluation the, of yourself? Yeah. But it, it's more so the negative side of yeah. yourself analyzing yourself in a negative way. Mm-hmm. I think it's more so an attack on, on yourself. Um, that's uh, something that it talks about in um, First Peter 2, uh, the sin that wages war against your soul. I think... We have a little it, list right here. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, it's comparison. It's assuming what people are thinking about you. Drawing thought bubbles around or over people's heads. Right. It's crippling. It damages you. Damages your your faith Would you walk. say it's emotional damage? Emotional damage. Emotional damage. Uh, it's being discontent and you're not satisfied. You're not satisfied with yourself. You're not satisfied with your performance. You're not satisfied your results, with your looks, mm-hmm, you know, your life, your appearance, abilities. you know, yeah. all that different stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's always present. That's right. It's something that we can either, you know, feed into that we can produce in us. Right. Um, you know, if yep. you're somebody that's walked in insecurity for a long time, I mean, that's what it is. Really, that's, that's rooted. Root of, in that's that the root insecurity. of it. Right. I mean, that's that's the root of, you know the inner critic is that insecurity. And if you've been walking in that for years, right. As somebody, you know, who might be dealing with insecurity, uh, it's always growing and it's always trying to attack your soft spots. 
It's rooted in like this desire for approval. Yeah. And to be wanted yeah. and loved and known um, and liked. And it's overcritical. It's mm-hmm. trying to point out every single flaw. You and I were just talking. There's something that every detail, man, um, that I'm doing that I'm I'm really critical of. And uh, I was, you know, listening to myself and uh, the way that I sound, or you know, the way that I appear. And I was, you know, is this the opera album you're working on? Yeah, the the opera album. Super. <laughs> you can tell them what you do. Go ahead, tell them. Yeah, I mean, I just I didn't want to necessarily point it out, but. Uh yeah no Don't I make, I that make voice. music at Sander critic in me um I make music and I got my songs back from my audio engineer who I've been working with shout out to Elsie um it's been you can't do that he has to pay to be on here. sorry sorry <laughs> he's the sponsor for today's episode right um and. I was listening to myself and I was pointing out every little flaw that I might have heard. And I think that's where that inner critic was coming out because then I woke up this morning after listening to it last night and I was like, why did I react that way? Like, I don't understand why I was reacting that way. So mm-hmm. it grows, it's overcritical. It points out, you know, ran- at random, it points all the time in all situations for no reason. It's a lot of different things, but this yeah. part too is that it's present in failure and success. Yeah, like it it minimizes the success you have and it magnifies failure. Mm. Or when it does magnify your success and make it big, it gives you a big head mm. and makes you feel bigger than you are. Yeah. So yeah, that there's a, there's probably a million different ways to explain the voice of the inner yeah. critic that you as the listener you you can probably recognize in your life. Sure. When that voice is uh, speaking a little too loud, you can recognize that voice that you don't want to listen mm. to, you know? So how have you seen the inner critic play out in, um, your personal life? Yeah. I'd say the, the most practical and most recent example for me is anytime that I get in front of the camera and, and, or, mm. or share the message of Jesus at all, or preach the gospels, mm. uh, just in my head the whole time. Sometimes, you know how you like warm up before a basketball game? You know, I'm yeah. just going to go straight into a game. You're yeah. going to stretch. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like I need that stretching mentally and emotionally before I preach. Mm. And to get the jitters out instead of on camera the first five, ten minutes to work through all those jitters and the anxieties and mm. the, the fears that are bombarding me mm. and the desire to approve, you know, please people and that voice in my head that I'm trying to get over and ignore so I can think clearly and speak the scriptures. Sometimes I, I wish, I, maybe I'll start doing that, is maybe like the first 10 minutes of my live stream, unofficially I'll turn my camera on, talk through it, so that when I go live, all that stuff is worked out. But for me, it's it's the voice mm. as I'm explaining the sermon for today, or as I'm getting into the scriptures, it's that voice that says like, I don't know, brings up your failures from the past week or how Mm. how you were a bad husband or how you you shouldn't have fill in the blank or how you're not capable of doing this and you're not qualified. There are people who are way more educated, way smarter, way more spiritual, way more holy. And then all these, you start getting in your head like, maybe I'm not supposed to be a teacher. All that's happening in like a matter of five seconds as I'm trying Mm -hmm. to start my sermon. So that's Mm -hmm. a practical example for me of uh, that voice being hypercritical of everything I say from the Bible or, or teach according to the scriptures, mm. which is fine. I think at least in some sense you should be discerning and thoughtful, but when you obsess over every detail and I'm no longer thinking through what I'm saying or thinking about the person on the other side. Now I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about myself and I'm mm. in my head and it's hard to get out of that trap. 
but once you recognize you're in it, then you can start to climb out of it, mm-hmm. which is half the battle is recognizing that you're in that spiral. We should we should call it a spiral, yeah, because it, it sucks you down like a like a like a turd in a toilet. Just <laughs> sorry, what else are you going to use, man? It sucks say, like you a down. Whirlwind or uh, whirlwinds don't whirlwinds suck up though. I guess if the whir- the wind is coming what from is, the bottom, what is, what is it called? It's the it's the little. It looks like a, toilet. a whirlpool. Thank a whirlpool. you. That's what I was not a whirlwind. Technically, that's like flushing a toilet. I, is the whirlpools yeah, happening? I went to Bible college. Um, I went to sorry, not Bible college. <laughs> I was going to say turd college. <laughs> so give us an example of what you think. Uh, how you've seen this play out in your life, yeah. where you've learned to recognize that, or, or when it creeps up. Is it when you make music, yeah. when you play basketball, when you're at home from work? For me, it's everything. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just got really deep. Really I'm over fast. here like that doesn't happen for me. Yeah. But when I'm showering, I'm thinking about how bad I'm showering. <laughs> what a slob I am. <laughs> Why do I only shower once a week? I don't Why am know. I a failure? Did I scrub that well? <laughs> I'm an idiot. You know, stuff like that. It's like, yeah. can I just enjoy a shower? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that is a good point, though. It does come out the most random of times. And I think for me, um, I've dealt with insecurities. Um, that's like my whole life. I've just, you know, dealt with it. It's been a huge battle in my life. And uh, I think it's in all aspects, in all areas. But I think the part that hits me the most is my physical appearance. Um, you know, looking in the mirror sometimes is hard at days and, you know, putting on different clothes and you're like, why doesn't this fit me the same as it did? A bodybuilder would say the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Like they talk about that actually how like, yeah, as jacked as they are. And you're like, he is the body of a God. Like they're, they talk about how, why they wear big clothes Mm. because they don't like seeing themselves without a pump. And even when they do, they think, man, I'm like scrawny. Yeah. It's like, what? Dude, yeah. you're 400 pounds of pure yeah. beefy muscle. Yeah. Or people that are, you that could, are skinny. You breathe they're like, and why, why can I, you know, build muscle and things like that? And, you know, it's everywhere. And I think for me, you know, physical appearances, uh, been one of the things that's attacked me the most in my life. And it's probably, I mean, it's been a root of, uh, you know, past experiences, right? For me, it was, Middle school. <laughs> is there much time of is life? Is there much that I have to say other than just middle school? Uh, it just happened. It happened. That's where bad experiences happen. Puberty, and bullying. It's, it's weird that something is, you know, uh, something that happened such a long time ago can affect you, right? There's things that you remember that, you know, that people said and it's like, I don't even really remember that season, but I do remember that one. I don't even know their name. One. Yeah, exactly. I like, I don't really impacted. I remember me. the face. I remember Stupid what they Tommy. said. Yeah. Dang it, Tommy. What do you I don't know any Tommies. Now know that I think Tommy about it. Either. No. Tommy's just a go to word. Something's wrong with our the Green Power Ranger, Tommy. Tommy. He did die though, so we probably shouldn't talk about it. Rest in peace. Moment of silence for Tommy. All right, back to it. What yeah. were you saying? Yeah, it's performance, it's appearance, it's all those different things that, you know, for me that I've I've, you know, really attacked myself. <laughs> My inner critic has really, you know, come at me hard with the uh you know, the different physical appearances and things like that. So, mm, yeah, I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head and, and you as the listener, I'm sure you can definitely recognize that technically in every area of life, in every moment, there's the potential for that voice to really mm. tur- have that volume turned up. Cause sometimes the volume's turned down and you're like, ah, he's there, but he's really quiet right now. Yeah. Or she's there, that voice inside your head. Or it sometimes it's turned up max volume, like IMAX speakers. Um, mm. It's annoying. Let me ask you a question then. It just came to mind. This is going to be spontaneous on the spot. When have you felt... Wait, I didn't say you could do it. Sorry. 
Give me permission, please, sir. Should I give him? Per- yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, when have you noticed that the inner critic has been loudest in your life? What are those seasons of life like for you? Um, on the basketball court uh, in high school. Yeah. Um, when I'm around people whose opinion matters really, like a much, like a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I. When I'm doing something that has eyes on me, mm-hmm. or when I'm doing something that I, that is going to be shared with people, mm-hmm. whether it's a Facebook post or a video, you know, thinking about this is going to be publicized, and thinking about how someone will come along and critique or make fun or mock mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, I guess all those different moments have more to. It's not usually when I'm behind the scenes. If it's behind the scenes, it's usually because I'm doing something someone else is going to see mm-hmm. and it has the opportunity to be uh, critiqued. Yeah. And I don't like being critiqued. Yeah. Never have. I think... But yeah. Uh, for me, what I was I was thinking about is I think the moments where the volume on my inner critic is loudest is when I haven't been spending time with God. Yeah. Is that the answer I was supposed to give? Uh, no, it's not because it was a personal a application. Failure. But uh, I've personally noticed, like, <laughs> gosh, I just realized what you just said. <laughs> did just did the inner critic right come out? Yeah, oh, man. Usually he's quieter. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've, I've just noticed that, you know, when I'm struggling the most in my physical appearance or my, you know, performance and things like that, it's when I haven't been content in my season of life and I've been seeking after things to give me contentment outside of God. And I think that's been one of the things that I've grown in um, because I've realized that spending time with God usually, actually, I mean, will always equivalate to me being more content in my life. I think you made up a word, equivalate. I've never heard that word in my life. Now I want to look it up. Crap. (laughs) Is it a word? The inner critic's firing inside of me right now. Don't say anything. Shut up. It's equivalent. Sorry. No, equivalent. That's a a word that just became one. I'll put it in the dictionary. I'll I'll pay money to put it in the dictionary. It translates to... I don't don't know. What was I even trying to say? I know what you were trying to say. I just can't (laughs) think of the word that sums up what you're trying to say. Both are in the critics. When I am spending time with God, it translates Translates. That's a good word. Gosh. Equivalates? I, I need to look that up after this episode now and see if that's actually a word. It's probably not. Uh, sounds like it could be, like in Japan. But th- you're right. Like uh, when we don't spend time with God, Jesus does say uh, that a sheep will recognize my voice. Um, so there's always uh, like a bunch of voices competing for our attention. Mm-hmm. There's every moment of every day. Instagram's calling your name, TikTok, you know, your kids, uh, your wife, your boss. Your own inner critic. I mean, mm-hmm. the voice of God trying to get you to focus on what matters. There's always these these bunch of voices competing for my attention. So it, we could tell people like, hey, learn to recognize that voice and then drown it out. But it's another thing to actually be able to drown it out and overcome mm-hmm. that voice. So, you know, as we transition um, to the segment of this where we talk about creating as, as content creators or whatever it is that you make, whatever art, whatever skill, whatever ability you have, think of your talents, 
those are often the areas of the most insecurity mm-hmm. is something that you are proud of, but you're not sure if someone else will be proud of it too. Mm. Uh, so when it comes to like stuff we put out, I'm not going to say content because people will just say, oh, that's just videos. But when it comes to things that we make and put out there, how do we create through that nagging voice mm. in your head? How do we create past that? Because mm. it's always going to be present. And like what you said is we need to spend time with God so that his voice is louder in my life, mm-hmm. so that his voice has more of my attention and I recognize his voice quicker and easier. That's a good practical you know, step. Yeah. And when that happens, the voice of your inner critic, which is negative and shameful and condemning, it will be drowned out by the voice of God because you you um, listen to the voice that you're most familiar with. So mm. become more familiar with God's voice and not your own. Yeah. So how do you create past that stupid little voice that yeah. wants to shame and condemn and, yeah. and critique every detail and make you feel like a failure? I think you have to remind yourself that you're not creating for that voice. You're creating for people that you, know, you can impact. You're mm-hmm. creating for the glory of God. And you know what... what Ever you're creating, you know, whether it's an environment, you know, for your kids um, as parents, you know, whether you are creating, like me, you're creating music and, um, or you're creating YouTube videos and things like that, you know, who are you, who are you trying to touch uh, when you are creating uh, those either environments or, or pieces of art or whatever it might be? It's not for that inner critic. That inner critic gets nothing out of what you create. It's actually the people that you're going to be, that will be surrounded by your art or by your creativity. And I think one of the things that's touched me recently is like, I I personally, like, I'm not, I don't like a lot of my old music. I critique it a lot, actually. And which is something that we normally do anyways as creatives. We always look at our old, you know, things that we To feel better about where we are. Yeah, right. I hate my old sermons when I was like 20. Yeah. I mean, you look back at your stuff and you're like, well, I've, I've improved you know, and things like that. But it was, it was kind of steps towards where you're at now. Right. But I've had people reach out to me and say, Hey, I'm, I've been listening to your music and I'm like, Oh, the, the old stuff, (laughs) please, not the old stuff. And they still say, they're like, yeah, but I love it. And I'm like, I, I don't understand like how, but it's, it's because our, we're not creating for our inner critic. We're creating for the people, you know, the lives that we could touch, you know, by what you're creating. So what happens when the inner critic is trying to convince you of what your audience is going to think or say about your content. Hmm. So then you're thinking about them and your inner critic is, is trying to convince you they're going to think this, they're going to hmm. say this, this is how they're going to, uh, yeah. you know, think about your, your content you're putting out. They will yeah. hate it. Yeah. They're going to rally against you and they're going to, they're, they're going to disregard it. They're going to go, man, he lost his vibe. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. How yeah. do you handle that kind of like, it is still for them, but somehow that that inner critic is stepping in between you and your audience to to almost speak for them mm-hmm. on their behalf. Mm-hmm. It's the whole drawing thought bubbles above people's heads. Um, just trying to ignore what's happening here. <laughs> My son just burst into the room like nothing's happening. And there he is. Yep. And so, you know, how do you do deal with that? voice salem is like the inner voice that's in your head <laughs> he just came and distracted me man that's a good example every every other episode he comes in and he gives us a great somehow, example somehow um of spreading pink eye or my son has pink eye right now and he's deciding to share it with every everyone in the house 
like that's a good example like that voice just kind of out of nowhere like hey pay attention mm. to me and you're like what was i thinking about what was i saying oh no that happens to me when i preach is i'm in the middle of a thought mm. and then i lose that train of thought and then within like a split second the human brain is incredible i'm thinking about yeah. what someone's thinking about me pausing and then i'm thinking about how i don't know where to go from here and how do i look all within a split second yeah and then i lose my train of thought you yeah. know so how do you create through that um I, I, I'll, I guess I'll say it a different way. How do you do what God's called you to do through that? <laughs> he's called you to serve in your church. He's called you to teach. He's called you to preach that message. He's called you to raise those kids. He's called you to be in yeah. that hospitality ministry yeah. um, or, or you know, be a kindergarten teacher at that school. Mm-hmm. How do you effectively fulfill your calling through that dumb voice? I th- you just continue to do it. I think that's the, I mean, the best way that I, I personally can answer it is because there's been times where uh, I haven't wanted to finish a song. I haven't wanted to finish a sermon. I haven't wanted to, you know, have that conversation with that person that I'm discipling, you know, whatever it is. But when I do it, there's, there's something about when you're follow, when you follow through with God's calling that actually encourages you, um, you know, through that discouragement that the inner critic is giving you. I think it, it just takes, your personal uh, desire to fulfill God's calling rather than to fulfill what that inner critic is saying. So rather than, you know, following through with what the inner critic is saying, I'm going to listen to what God says. And I think I just continue to do what I feel that I'm called to rather than being distracted by the feelings that the inner critic is trying to bring to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I'll just leave it there. I won't even add to that. Cause yeah. that's a, just keep doing it. We could go deep into that. Maybe we'll make a whole episode on how to do that. Second question about what we create or what we're doing for God. Is there a healthy way to compare your fill in the blank, whatever you're doing, your ministry, your parenting, Mm. your sermon, your preaching ability, uh, whatever it is, your music. Is there a healthy way to compare what you're making and doing with what someone else is doing? We think of comparison, and you, you said this earlier before we did the podcast, that comparison most often is negative and so therefore we conclude comparison is always bad yeah not necessarily mm-hmm. paul talks about how like imitate me as i imitate christ that's a healthy biblical christ-centered comparison mm-hmm. you're not comparing to feel better than someone else sure you're not comparing to have a bigger ego or to find value in what you're good at you're, you're comparing really to figure out where you can improve, mm-hmm. um, how you can do it better next time, mm-hmm. or what you can adjust and adapt from what someone else is doing. Maybe they're farther along in their music than you, mm-hmm. and they've been doing it for like 10 plus years, and you're two years into it. Mm-hmm. You comparing can be negative if you're trying, if it's rooted in pride or insecurity or, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Or if it's self-centered, but if you're comparing, going, I actually want to learn how to do what I'm doing better. Yeah. Um, I also want to figure out how to adapt what they're doing in the way that I'm personally, or I'm trying to get to where they are mm-hmm. um, and learn from the example they've set. That's a that's a fine thing to do. Mm-hmm. Jesus is our ultimate example in every area of life, in character, in, in heart, in mindset. We just want to be like him. Yeah. So in that sense, we are comparing where we are now with where we want to be and who we want to be so that we can recognize that gap and do what we need to close that gap. Mm -hmm. Same with music, same with basketball, same with, you know, whatever it is that you're 
creating or doing parenting and ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we're afraid to see um, how someone else might be farther along or you know more uh, skilled at what they're doing than yeah. we're currently. Yeah, because we we don't like admitting that. I could go farther or I'm not where I could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have this, at least for me, there's this mentality that says, I like to feel like the top dog. Mm-hmm. I like to feel like I've perfected my craft and there's no, no going past this. I'm yeah. an expert. Yeah. But once someone knows more than me or is farther, dang, I'm not what I thought I was. Mm. And so now that means I have to grow and develop and sharpen. I just saw a post from Matt Chandler on Instagram saying he just graduated yeah. from seminary seminary right? or or masters. masters. Yeah. yeah. And I thought my guy's like what 50 and he just got mm-hmm. his masters. He's getting there. Some people are getting their masters, you know, at like 22, 24 mm-hmm. and he's not, you know, comparing going, Oh, I missed my shot. He's, he's doing what he can, where he is with what he has. Yeah. Um, and I, and I love that. It's just this desire to continue learning, to continue progressing, to continue developing. Yeah. I don't think there's any, problem with that just mm-hmm. please examine your motivation is it self-centered i know mm-hmm. i'm talking a lot is it all about you is it to magnify and show people you yeah or is it christ-centered yeah um something to think about yeah a couple of episodes ago we talked about um looking to get into different communities that will encourage and mature um either your gift or um your environments that you're creating or your creativity it's just something that we talked about and something that like came to mind for me is like uh, for a healthy comparison is like when you are trying to get better at something, you usually look to the greats that did good in that thing. So for me, I adapted to basketball growing up as a kid. I watched clips of, you know, the greatest athletes, right? The greatest, you know, basketball players. Tiger Woods. Stop. <laughs> I was ready for you to say like Rick Gannon or something like that. Um, <laughs> but Rick Gannon, he's a good tennis player. <laughs> Stop it! All the sports people right You're now are so just good at losing yeah, yeah, their right. mind. <laughs> Unsubscribe. But when you're trying to get good at something, you watch the people that are best at doing that thing, and I think that helps you when you're a creative as well, or if you're a parent, right? It motivates you. You look at some of the best parents that you're surrounded by. That's why you surround yourself by them in the first place, right? You see how they have different, you know, techniques and tactics in, in, in attacking certain situations or handling certain uh, environments or moments or things like that. You put yourself in a place where you can learn and grow from yep. people that are great at doing that thing so that you can make it your own. And that's what's so great about being a creative is you know, for you, you probably got inspiration from plenty of people. And then, yeah. you know, you just, you took pieces of what you, you like, and then you adapt it to yourself. And that's something that, you know, I've been told about in music is like, you know, some of the best artists that you know now, they just pull from other artists that they like. So and they learn from the people who came before them. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an encouragement because not all comparison is negative. Mm-hmm. I can compare and contrast right and uh and that's how i adapt things well 
in my creativity or, you know, what I'm setting in my environments as parents, you know, parents or as a leader in a church group, you know, things like that. I, I mean, I personally, like as a volunteer, when I was in, in youth group, I took ideas and things that I learned from my other, you know, youth counselors that I loved. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to adapt that because they did that so great. And Mm -hmm. it, and it, it gave me so many great memories to to remember and so many cool moments uh, in our small group setting and things like that. You just take the best from, from the best people and then adapt it to yourself so that you can be better. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily like this is a way to better yourself. It's just so that you can take steps towards glorifying God in a better way. In excellence. Yeah. I think we're afraid to find out that we're wrong or we're not as good as we think. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how do you recognize... When comparison is healthy and good and Christ-centered and for his kingdom and glory, and it will promote growth, and when it's that voice of the inner critic. And I think when you're comparing and it shames you Mm -hmm. or it inflates your ego, either shame or pride is the result of that comparison, then you're either comparing with the wrong heart or Mm -hmm. for the wrong reason or the wrong thing. So you already kind of established is all criticism bad. We live in a culture where people don't want to be criticized or, mm-hmm. um, you know, thoughtfully critiqued, um, with yeah. good feedback. People don't want to figure out where they can get better. Everyone wants to be the perfect snowflake as they are with no reason to get better. Mm-hmm. You're perfect the way you are. You have no reason to develop anything you have or get any better. You are it, my guy. We live in a culture like that. Mm. And so when we talk about criticism, the the mantra of our day is don't criticize me or you hate me. But not all criticism is bad. Um, and I don't even believe that now when I'm thinking about it, the inner voice that wants to critique every detail and mm-hmm. shame you or inflate your ego, that inner voice is not always completely wrong. Sometimes hmm. there's something, an area where I know I need to improve, that's true, mm. but he, the inner voice takes that and makes it something that I'm ashamed of yeah. instead of a great opportunity to get better, mm. instead of a, a, a new opportunity to learn from a new angle or explore this in a way I never have and to, mm. to walk with God into growth yeah. and development. So I think the inner critic takes, just like this, you know, the devil does, he takes yeah. a grain of truth and then covers it with a bunch of muck mm. so that you are ashamed or you have a big old inflated ego. But there's a there's a grain of truth in that. Yeah, mm. you can get better. Or yeah, you are good at that. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's upon us to recognize that voice overcome that voice but also if there's a grain of truth to bring that before the lord Hmm. and almost um pull out they say chew the meat and spit out the bones that's kind of what we do with the inner voice of the critic is not everything is wrong sometimes like your worst enemy who hates your guts and wants you dead can Mm. say a true thing that you can learn from yeah um and go dang, you know what? I hate that guy and he hates me, but he just told me something true about myself that I need to adjust in my life. Hmm. That's fine, you know? So anything you want to say about that? I I don't know. This might make me sound crazy, but I mean, at least for me, the, the inner critic voice sounds very similar to the inner conviction voice, which is what you're kind of getting to when... That can either be used for good. Read this question. That's what you're talking about. We didn't touch on it. Did you just... Wow. 
Look at that. It says, how did you discern God's voice of correction and direction versus the inner voice of God or, or of the critic? That's good. Because God will correct you. Mm-hmm. God will critique what you do. Yeah. Not to shame you, yeah. but to show you there's more. To help it sounds you the same, better. right? It can. Yeah. Which is why I think <laughs> it's the tone of that voice that matters, mm-hmm. right? And that's where we recognize, you know, whether this voice that's within me, it's either attacking me or it's edifying me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part where um, where we can defer, like, which which one is, is which is because I can tell the tone and, and what it's directing me to. Is it directing me towards, you know, shame and guilt and wanting me to put myself down and, and, and really dwell within those thoughts? Or is it trying to build me up in my character and grow me? as a believer in my walk and, um, you know, in my creativity and the environments that I'm setting. So either that voice can be something that builds you up or shoots you down and destructs you. So, um, destructs you just like the equalizer. Gosh, darn it. uh, (laughs) Hey, but demolishes you. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Demolishes. (laughs) Or you could say (laughs) breaks you down. (laughs) What did the thing say? What do you say? It's clobbering time. Oh, it's clobbering time. It can clobber time. you. It can clobber you. That's a good place to do this. One of the things to consider is that the inner voice of the critic um, that spirals you down into shame or pride, um, and yes, pride actually brings you down. One of the things to think about is that sometimes that inner voice will cause us to misinterpret what God is saying or Mm. the heart with which he's saying it. So if God convicts me of something I just said to my wife— that's true. That's good. God wants to help me become better a husband. Yeah. Um, but my inner voice will take that and shame me with it. Hmm. Shame me with the truth. Use it to beat me down. Mm. And so we need to interpret or we need to learn how to discern not just between the voices, but even when I know God is speaking, am I letting that inner critic or that inner voice disrupt the way that I receive what God is doing in me because mm. it can that voice can stand in the way and almost like uh, you know become like a, a filter so that I'm hearing mm. what God is not saying or I'm receiving it the way that God did not intend for me to receive that yeah and so that inner voice is hard to to discern sometimes because you go oh, God told me this but you don't even recognize that you're receiving that with pride or you're mm. receiving that with a shame condemning kind of posture that makes you feel less than you are and you're like god hates me and god's going i i love you so much i wanted to show you that uh to bring you into more life sure abundant life so yeah. um anything else you want to say about discerning god's voice which he will correct he yeah. will he will discipline and train and call out what's trash in your life yeah to pull you out of that and sometimes mm. we'll go 
that's not God. And God's going, no, it is me. And you're going, shut up, inner critic. I'm not mm-hmm. listening. And God's like, bro, like, you don't get yeah. it. I'm talking to you. Yeah. And then we will be like, yeah, the inner voice will we'll almost like hmm. mix up the voices and say the inner yeah. voice is God and God's the inner voice. And yeah, it's this hard. M- it's this, hard. Might be, this might be reaching a little bit, but I, I think Reach the first thing for the sky. <laughs> the first thing that came to mind was was Jonah. Uh, when God's audible voice is actually like talking to him about leading him to Nineveh and he mm-hmm. wants to go, he, and Jonah's like, oh, no, Jonah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, I, I think of that because, uh, Jonah heard the voice of God and yet still went to Tarshish, went the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, it was the inner voice in Jonah. That's like, uh, t- this is only for us. Like this is only for our people, not for these destructive, evil people uh, in Nineveh. And I think that's that's often the the bitterness in our heart. And I think the pride and the pride that gets to us, where even if we did hear God's voice, there's times where that inner voice just pulls us in another direction, where those those two voices are are battling against one another in our mind, rather than prioritizing one over the other. Um, and I think that's, that's the part again, like where, where I go back to what's the tone of the voice, you know, even if it gets you out of your comfort zone, right? Like even if God is calling you, uh, to something outside of your comfort zone, it's still something that he's calling you to. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but that inner voice is going to battle right, you know, next to, to God's voice and say, you know, (laughs) he's pulling you out of your comfort zone. Like, that's going to be weird. Like people are going to think this about you. And it's like, well, God has called you to this thing. So why? why not just follow through with it? And I think it's because we've given, we've empowered that voice for too long and for years. Yeah. And again, it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the, the episode where it grows like that. It's the, a monster, presence, man. the presence grows in us when you feed it, right? When you feed into it, when you give it power, that's when you can see a, a change and a transformation in your thinking rather than, you know, giving prior priority to God. You almost, you know, even them out together where you, you give both of them a say rather than you know, cutting it half, off. Half yeah. my life goes to God. Half my life goes yeah. to the inner voice. The, the moment that I, that I think maybe the inner voice is right is, is already a choice of, of walking away from what God's calling me to mm-hmm. uh, because you're questioning what God is, is intentionally like saying to you. They're competing. So again, it, it all goes back to the root of it. What is what is the tone? Like, what is it trying to do? What is the action that it's driving to you to the direction that it's giving you? And I think that's how we start to to discern that that voice, mm-hmm. which goes back to knowing the voice of God and His Word, right? Yeah, and spend time in His Word, you'll become familiar with His voice. Um, and so, in the next episode, what we'll talk about is. When we find ourselves in local church communities, whatever communities we're in, even our household and our family, mm-hmm. um, that inner voice can play a huge role in your relationships with other people and how well you function in relationship with people. And then we'll also talk about you know being parents, being leaders, being creators, mm-hmm. um, and not letting that inner voice you know rule our lives and you know um, just clown us like we mm-hmm. often let it do. Um, so I think this conversation has been helpful for those who are just wanting to learn. Romans chapter 12 keeps coming to mind, which is, mm-hmm. you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, and when you have your mind transformed by the word of God, you can discern and recognize his will and his yeah. voice and his heart um, so that this voice isn't 
this inner voice doesn't cripple you with mm-hmm. discouragement and shame. I'll end with a with a small just example of what we mean by all this. Sometimes um, my son and or my daughter, either one, they're in a good. They have a good attitude when they when they uh, when I correct them. They have a good you know heart posture. They're receiving it well. Other times, you know, when I tell my let's just say I tell my son, hey, let's not do that to Layla, and he interprets it as I'm a failure. You hate me. And he says, don't talk to me. No one talk to me. And he shuts down and he goes and hides in a corner. He runs away. Don't look at me. And somehow like that inner voice misinterpreted for him what I was saying. Mm. I just said, stop doing that. He, you know, with a good heart, he would have said, you know, my dad loves me. He cares about me and my sister. He's not saying I'm a terrible person. He's just Mm. correcting what I'm doing, Mm. you know, and I should have made that change. Instead, sometimes he runs away or, or Layla. Or sometimes I'll just be, I'll do something nice for Layla and he'll interpret that as, oh, you don't love me, you love her. And so there's this opportunity we have daily to not just hear the voice of God, but to correctly discern what he's saying and what he's doing in our life. So, mm. you know, I, I um, just encourage you as the listener throughout this week um, to not just recognize when God is speaking and what he's saying, but watch your heart. And the way you receive that, think about mm. the way you're approaching what he's saying and what you're thinking is his heart and his motive behind telling you that in his word or, you know, by his spirit or getting counsel from other godly people. Sometimes God counsels us through people that we'd otherwise not want us to. And yeah. so just consider these things. Anything you want to say in closing with these final seconds? I think I think the thing that just that comes to mind is... Uh, just analyze yourself. Like how much have you been feeding that inner critic, you know, recently? Um, because that's not the voice of God. Uh-huh. Um, and I think when the more that we do empower that voice, uh, the more that we are actually like deafening ourselves, uh, to the voice of God and we're, because we're given it power and that's the only thing that we're, you know, normalized to. Um, and I think, you know, looking at that, um, pray, yeah. Get get in, in time with, with Jesus and, and sit in prayer with him um, so that you can hear that voice again and recognize it. Amen. That's a good way to end. Go to visit com if you haven't already. We also, you know, for those of you that care, uh, we just released a completely free, ca- all caps free, um, and Times New Roman 12-point font, <laughs> com- brand, completely free, brand new 40-day Bible study program online you can take the smaller version of it we have a 27 day we have an 11 day just release that go check it out on our website for those of you that want to read the bible learn how to read the bible at your own pace you know these programs all the courses all the resources mm-hmm. we do here at above reproach ministry is only possible because of generous supporters like you guys mm-hmm. so thank you guys and uh next episode is gonna be fire see ya hey, thanks for listening to today's above reproach church podcast if you've benefited from this content or this ministry in any way there are a number of ways you can support what we're doing to help people move towards jesus we're completely funded by generous supporters like you so if you'd like to partner with us financially you can head to above reproach slash donate and you can give through debit or credit card you can give through paypal Venmo, Patreon, or even just mail a check to P.O. Box 338, Green Cove Springs, Florida 32043. Or grab some of our church merch to represent Jesus on your body wherever you go. Either way, while you're on the website, check out all of our free resources, our online church, my book Fruitful, as well as everything else going on in our online ministry. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep moving towards Jesus.